Well, we want to take just a minute and share a little bit more about what the Lord did last week at our Foursquare Convention, and then I have a short, short message. So, honey, would you like to come share something? I've been singing a lot. I just need a break. (laughs) Well, I didn't know I was doing this today. Uh, Our conference was really good. It was really powerful. Um, We were gathered together with 4,000 people from around the world who are all a part of the Foursquare family. Like, you know, you're at convention when um, all of the Africans come in and they wear, like the husband and wife wear matching um, clothes and they're my favorite. I always want to sit by them and I want to meet them and I want to touch their clothes. And it's so cool um, because, and it's so fun to just be around uh, the Foursquare family and the Foursquare family abroad. If you walk in the back, there's like six or seven translators, six or seven languages being translated um, and earpieces around the thing. Just just incredible. So it's it's super fun to just go and get a bigger picture of the body of Christ. And a Foursquare, um, Foursquare is actually a pretty common denomination on the West Coast. You can go to Washington and Oregon and even California and you say Foursquare. And everybody knows what that is. But here, um, when people say what church you go to and you're like, Foursquare, it's the denomination, everybody's like, what is that? Right? Anybody ever done answer that question? All right. So it's it's fun to go and participate with a ton of people from Foursquare and just get the heartbeat of our movement. Um, this year's uh, theme was Transformed by Jesus. And um, kind of with an emphasis on baptism of the Holy Spirit, like we're kind of in the middle of conferences. They're going through the four squares. Um, If you don't know any of this, you should come to our house tonight. Little plug here. We'll explain all the four squares and what it all means. But anyway, we're on Holy Spirit and transformed by Jesus. And there was just so, so many powerful moments. Um, I'm trying to think of just one or two to share. Um, I wasn't prepared. We had, um, Nick, how do you say his last name? Anyway, life without limbs guy, the guy with no arms and no legs. He was there and you guys like that. He's like a powerhouse evangelist. I'd only watched him on YouTube sharing in schools where he can't say the name of Jesus, but you put him in a conference with a bunch of pastors and he is all about evangelism. And he really, um, just, reminded us of the power of the gospel and how every single person is called to take that to their neighbor, to their schools, to their cities, you know, just a a high influence of evangelism there. And that was really, really cool. Um, I think for me personally, I had a couple of different powerful moments. Um, One came, uh, we were singing in worship. We were singing the God of Miracles song. And, you know, we would all say that God is the God of miracles, right? But I've been, like, having this moment of, like, God is saying, you know, who do you say that I am? This comes out of a passage in Matthew. And uh, when, when Jesus asked that to his disciples, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to him is, no man told you this, Peter. In other words, you've had a revelation from heaven about who I am. And we were singing the God of miracles. And I, I had this moment 
when I'm declaring you're the God of miracles, you're the God of miracles. Like all of a sudden I was like, you're the God of miracles. Like a revelation exploded in my heart. I have no other words to describe that. Um, I sang that song a lot of times. I've probably preached on God being a God of miracles, but there was something about God's identity uh, that was freshly released in my heart, just like a, a revelation of who do you say that I am? And I, I was like, you're the God of miracles, you know? Uh, and I just feel like the Lord is, is, has me on a journey where, you know, he wants to tell me who I am back because uh, the passage in, in scripture that I love so much, you know, it's the revelation of Jesus's identity that births Peter's true identity. And that becomes a beautiful foundation to build the kingdom of God on. And I, I feel like that's where I'm at. So like I had this revelation of who God is. It just exploded in my heart. And I feel like God's beginning to explode fresh revelation of who I am. And I'm just like, okay, God, let's build something, you know, not, not in my strength, but I want to see the kingdom advanced, uh, through my life with my revelation of first who God is. And then who I am because of who he says I am. Uh, so that was really, really powerful. Um, is there anything else I should share? The last night, you guys, we, so we got the download. We'll be showing these videos probably on Wednesday nights throughout the summer. Our last, our last night at convention, we had this guy get up and speak and it was like mind blowing. This guy's name is AJ Swoboda. Pastors like a hipster church in Oregon, and he gets up in his skinny jeans and his big old glasses and his Mr. Rogers sweater, and you're expecting him to be a certain way. But this dude is like, now, if, when you watch it, you're going to know exactly what I'm telling you. You're going to go, that is exactly who Ashley described. This guy, he gets up, he's nothing like you expect him to be, and he's like a teacher, but there's so much power. And we're in a room of 4,000 mature believers, a lot of them pastors. I've never heard at convention so many, whoa, whoa, why have we never heard this? He was teaching on Pentecost, uh, in ways that I've never heard of before. It was so good. So mind blowing. And he led us into a time that was just, um, really powerful, reminding me of the power of impartation. Um, we had deep personal ministry time. I was ugly crying on my face in repentance before the Lord. Um, and so I say all that to just say, God did something and I'm not exactly sure all of it yet, except for that. I know that he promised that he was going to do a fresh filling of the Holy spirit. And I, I believe that's really what he did. There was just something fresh in me and I'm, I haven't put it all together. I don't know what that's going to look like in my life, but, um, I'm excited to just see, um, a transformation and I think that's the beauty of being a believer in Jesus is we never stop transforming. Um, I love Jesus. I'm a pastor, but like I need to be transformed. I need to be more like Jesus. I want to look more like him. There's, I can look across my life and go, there's a lot of areas that don't look like Jesus. You know what I mean? Uh, I want to be more like him. I want to encounter him in a way where I have a revelation of who he is, where I enter into all that he says that I am and where I'm transformed to take the gospel, uh, in a way that brings transformation to others. Cause that's the thing is our transformation is never just for us. 
Jesus didn't just transform us to make us cool or something. Um, our transformation is always for the transformation of those around us. And uh, if nothing else, there was a lot of emphasis on that this week that, listen, we've, we've got to be We've got to be carriers of the gospel. We have to take his gospel to, to our hurting world, to our nation, to our city. We have to be willing to let our transformation lead to the transformation of everyone around us. And uh, so there's that stirring in there. All right. Well, people like me better. When they meet my wife first. <laughs> so now this is going to be an amazing message because she talked first. So, um, you know, that, yeah, there was there was there was quite a few moments um, that we really had some, you know, there was really some time at the end of every gathering to really have ministry among us. Uh, I want to tell you, Nick Vujicic, whatever his name is, um, you saw him on the video. You saw the picture of him. He just moves around on the on the stage, you know, and you're just like, whoa. Dude. I mean, the, he just, when there's a dude with no arms and no legs talking to you, and he's like moving around on the platform, it just gets your attention, first of all, because, you know, I can see how the Lord is using him uh, to just, to get into all kinds of places. He was in... What did he say he was in, uh, was it Ukraine? He's in, he went to the Ukraine. L- listen to this. Uh, you know that used to be a part of the Soviet Union, right? So they were closed to the gospel for a long time. It's been open for, for a lot of years now. But he went there and was going to do some street meeting, and he spoke to 100,000 people. Whoa! And a whole lot of them responded to Jesus that day. Uh, I don't even remember what the numbers were. Or was I mean, and it was this also was the number one. It was on TV too. It was the number one rated show in the Ukraine in the past ten years or something. Just this this event, and it was broadcast live on some channel in Ukraine. You're just like, whoa! It was just amazing. Yeah, I think there's like eighty thousand that came to the Lord. Um, you know, because there's million. You know. Millions of people watching. I mean, it's just, just incredible stuff that God is opening up to him. So at the, you know, he spoke, he challenged us. Oh, man, he really, he really stuck it to us at the end, too. And I, I don't even want to say it because that way I don't want you responsible for it uh, before you're ready. So um, I don't want, I want to erase it from my memory. Um, <laughs> you know, when you hear something, you're then responsible, right? You know, you hear truth. Uh, if you don't know about it, you know, you're, you're, you're ignorant. That's, that's okay. Sometimes ignorance is okay. <laughs> Jesus, is, you know, you're not going to be judged on it. Like, well, you, you should have known about that. No, you didn't know. You're going you're gonna to be, what, did, what were you given and what did you do with it? So when you're given something, then you're responsible. Hey, you got ten talents. What are you going to do with it? You got five. Hey, you only got one. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. You've been entrusted with, with one. What are you going to do with it? And so at the end of that, that gathering, you know, he was, he was the evangelist. He was challenging us to get out in the street. I mean, it was like take the city all over again. Uh, just a little extra reminder for, for your pastor. Uh, and so they handed us all little tiny anointing oils as we came into the service that night. And so we, 
we closed the service by just anointing one another. And it was, it was powerful. I don't even know what, to, I can't even tell you what was happening uh, in the room. I know the pastors we were praying next to were being messed up and uh, I was being messed up and just God just opening his heart for, his, for the world more. I mean, that's what we need. I mean, if we, we're not going to do anything without his heart. I mean, we're not going to do anything by obligation. Hey, you need to go do this. Um, there's all kinds of things I need to do that I don't do. Have you noticed that? I need to, you know, I need to work out more. I need to eat, drink less soda. I need to, you know, do this or that. There's a whole lot of things. In, and you know what? That obligation does not motivate me that much. But if I get something changes in my heart, then I am motivated to do something. And it's the same way spiritually. You know, I'm going to have to change in my heart before there's a, there's a change in, in the way I respond. And so I am thankful to be a part of a movement. Foursquare is a movement that is focused on Jesus and wants to see the world come to know him and wants to do it in a way where we can represent him in the right way. And we can also see, of course, the miracles and the power and the signs and wonders and all that stuff. Uh, One of the uh, Shane Beecham texted me since he's not here. I'll mention him. So, you know, I probably sent, I tr- we tried to send out the email and let you know that you could watch Foursquare Convention live online. Some of you were, it was too late for you, 8 o'clock at night, it's when the service started. Uh, some of you were just waking up, you know, 11 a.m. in the morning or 8 o'clock at night. But uh, Shane, Shane was texted me right in the middle of the service. We just watched this whole video on Cambodia. And what has happened in Cambodia in the last 20 years is like, of biblical proportions in Foursquare. There's this couple that went there, Ted and Sue Ulbricht. She is originally from Cambodia, and she didn't want to go back. Uh, she came to the States and lived for years. They pastored. They, you know, had a good life. And God said, hey, go back. And she didn't want to, but she did anyway. And her, that step of obedience has unlocked this amazing movement in their nation. Um, there was one church... One four-square church when they went there. And there's... Now there's 100,000. No, I don't think that, that's not right. That's not right. Not 100,000. No, there's not even... Yeah, maybe 10,000. There's not 100,000 churches in four-square. <laughs> now there's like 10,000 churches. Uh, they, have, they have housed and taken care of Tens of thousands of orphans. That's one of the ways they, they reach the country. I mean, literally, they, they are ministering to, like, the leaders of the nation. They call her. They call Mama Sue. Mama Sue. And so Shane then texted me after he saw the video. He's watching online. He said, we should go to Cambodia. <laughs> you know, there's a missions guy for you right there. Like... I'm like, that would be a good idea. I bet you they'd love to have us. Uh, you know, there's they're just, you know, I mean, we're talking, they see, you know, this is what, one of the things that happened there, this is where the 100,000 is from, okay? Um, when they got there, there was this, there was this, uh, they'd been working a while, you know, they, they were starting to bring orphans in and care for them. Nobody would care for these just kids off the street, basically. And uh, so one of the, one of the kids had a family, this is not an orphan, but he died. And he'd been dead for three days. And so they went and prayed, and he came back to life at the funeral. 
At the funeral, a kid came back to life. Guess what happened after that? That was where there was 100,000 people in that region that came to know Jesus Christ because of that miracle. And so, I mean, that's, that's what's going on in Cambodia. That's why Shane's like, can we go to Cambodia? <laughs> I want to be a part of that stuff right there. I want to be a part of the real the Jesus movement. So uh, just amazing stuff. Uh, just to hear stories and see what God is doing uh, around the world. And so we try to bring back some of them to expand your world a little bit, to say, hey, you know what? What you're seeing is really this much of what's going on in the world. We've got to be reminded God is doing so many more things than we are, than we are seeing with our eyes. And, you know, it's, it's just incredible. Uh, I'll, stop, I'll stop telling you stories. We will share a few of those teachings maybe on a Wednesday or some other time. Uh, but here's the deal. Let me tell you, uh, God is God is up to something in the world right now. And so, uh, be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is moving. Uh, there's a different there's a different atmosphere in our country. I know we don't always see it in social media. We don't always see it on the news. But there is there is a stirring that's going on in our nation. And so, it's good for us to be encouraged and reminded to get on board with that and connect ourselves to the Lord. That way, we're, we're, we're in the flow of what He's doing. We're in the river of what he's, what he's got going on. So, open in your Bibles, if you would. I could talk, we could talk about convention more. A.J. Swoboda bringing a message. You know, I've been in church. How old am I? Let's see. I'm going to be 42 in July. So, I've been in church for almost 42 years. <laughs> And I've been in the Foursquare Church since 1980. Somebody do the math for me. How many years is that? 38 years. So I've been Foursquare for 38 years. Uh, Came in when I was four. And when you hear something about Pentecost that you've never heard before, you're like, how come I've never heard this before? (laughs) How is that possible? And so... When we show you A.J. Swoboda, you gotta, you got to see it. So I don't know why I'm suddenly echoing, because you didn't do anything and I didn't do anything. Uh, in the name of Jesus, work here. So, I want us to go to Luke chapter 4. We're going to be starting a series on Isaiah 61. And this is kind of the semi-intro. I'm going to call it the kind of intro to Isaiah 61, because we're going to go to Luke chapter 4. And introduce you to Isaiah 61. So, was I just too loud? or Can you still hear me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Isaiah, we're going to be on Isaiah 61 probably maybe for the summer. Or just a number of weeks we're going to be on Isaiah 61. So, your, your homework assignment is this next week at least read Isaiah 61 once. I encourage you to read some of the rest of the Bible too. Uh, but... Get, get Isaiah 61, familiarize yourself with that passage because it's something we believe that God is stirring for our church right now in this season. And so here's the deal. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. And so here's what happens. Jesus is just starting his ministry and he is tempted by the devil. So the start of Jesus' ministry, he's baptized in water. And then the Holy Spirit, it says, comes down on him like a dove. So he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so he has the power of God now. And it says, you know, at the start of Luke chapter 4, it says, verse 1, Jesus 
full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he was, it was the fullness of the Spirit that led him into the wilderness. Can we all relate to some wilderness right now? 110 degrees. Uh, man, let me, just to remind you that Seattle, in Seattle, the, hot, the hottest it ever got was 72. Most of the time it was around 65 degrees at the hottest part of the day. 50 degrees at night. Uh, so we kind of, I was, I was thinking, man, it, I'm coming home and the temperature's going to double. <laughs> it was 50 degrees at night, the night before I left Seattle, and then I show up in Midland and it's 11 o'clock at night, it's still 95. So Jesus led into the wilderness and then where for, for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So Jesus, hey, who wants to go into ministry for Jesus? Who wants to do something for Jesus? The first thing that happens for Jesus when he does it is he gets a severe test. So you want to do something for God? You say, oh, I'm going to do something. Guess what? The first thing you may go through may be a huge temptation or a huge test. You get into it and you're like, oh, this must not be it. This must not be God. No, this was all God. It actually says the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted, to be tested. And so Jesus, of course, resists the devil. He uses the word of God. I'm not going to read all those scriptures we're summarizing today. And three times he answers the devil's temptation and testing with the scriptures for the Old Testament and Deuteronomy. And then the devil leaves him. And so in verse 14, it says, Jesus then returned to Galilee. How did he return? Verse 14, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. And he was teaching in their synagogues. And everyone praised him. So he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. You remember Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? But he lived and grew up in Nazareth. He didn't stay in Bethlehem for, for too long. Just the early part of his life. Maybe the first First little bit there. Um, but he lived in Nazareth. So that was his hometown. And so as was his custom on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue and he stood up to read. Verse 17, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, which we know now is chapter 61 in our Bibles. In the scroll, you just had to scroll to it. A whole lot harder to get it around in your Bible back then, right? <laughs> How do I find... You thought it was hard to find stuff now in the Bible, right? Some of you are like, I'm new to the Bible. I can't find it. Wait, imagine if it was a scroll. Okay, just a side note. Um, he found the place where it was written, uh, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So that's Isaiah 61, the first couple of verses there. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. I mean, that's got to be amazing. You know, when God reads his word, it gets your attention. So Jesus was reading the word of God. And it's like God himself is speaking it. it. That's why everybody was just, they're transfixed. They're just, they're just stunned. They're, they're in the presence of God. 
And he began, he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips and said, Isn't that Joseph's son? Man, I, I, I had to, I helped you get your pants on earlier there, boy. When you were little and your parents weren't around. Hey, isn't that that little boy we saw running around? And Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you'll tell me, do hear in your hometown what we have heard, what you did in Capernaum. So they'd heard the stories. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And I assure you that there are many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. And when when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine, yet Elijah was not sent to any of the widows in Israel, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, who was a Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. And they got up. Look at this. This is one of those verses that you don't notice very often if you scroll through your Bible too quick. They got up and they drove him out of town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Just a reminder to me if I ever think like my church gets upset at me, it's never gotten to this point. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) First of all, there are no cliffs around here. (laughs) Totally safe. Okay. It's never going to happen in Midland. That's one of the reasons I'm staying here. You you know, I don't want to live in one of those mountain towns, you know, where the people can run you off the mountain. Uh, So literally, I mean, this is one of those stories I didn't hear until I was an adult. It was like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. It's like they literally, the crowd is like carrying Jesus to the top of this cliff and they're going to throw him off the cliff. I mean, he has so upset them with his sermon that they're, they're going to kill him. And they're going to do it instantly. And here, here's a miracle right here. Here's, you've you got to understand what's going on. You see the miracle. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. It's just one, one little scripture right there. That was miraculous right there. Why, why did that miracle happen? Because it wasn't Jesus' time to die yet. No one can kill Jesus before his time was up. Only when he was ready to surrender his life. I mean, what did Jesus say when when Pilate said, I have the power to free you or just have you killed? Jesus says, you have no power. You only have the authority that's been given to you. In other words, I decide when I die. And so that's what happened with Jesus. This is his hometown. Jesus stands up, he quotes Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. They were fine with that until he said, hey, this is happening right now. It's fulfilled right now. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, I'm the anointed one. (laughs) You know, sometimes Jesus didn't directly come out and say, hi, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one from heaven, I'm, I'm God's son. There's sometimes where he answered it, mostly in private. But in public, he did stuff like this. Where he'd go, this is me. It's fulfilled right now. In other words, he's saying, I am the one. (laughs) 
I'm the one. And here's what I'm going to, here's how you'll know I'm the one. (laughs) All this stuff's going to happen because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so we're, we're going to dig into that. So I'm not going to dig into that today because that's going to be what, what happens when Jesus leaves is, of course, Jesus, when G, before Jesus leaves, he's, Jesus says, I have, to, I have to leave. In the book of John, Jesus tells them, he says, I have to leave. In fact, it's actually better that I leave because then I can send the Spirit to come upon you. So the scripture is relevant for us, for anyone who has been become into the family of God now has the opportunity to have the same ministry as Jesus. Jesus, what are we called? We're called the body of Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we're the body. Heads can't do much on their own. They need their hands. They need their feet. They need, well, unless you're Nick, whatever his name is, then you don't need all that. <laughs> you, need, you need to be able to do stuff. You need to be able to breathe. You need to be able to reach out. You need to be able to do stuff and, and touch people's lives. And that's, guess who gets to do that? That's me. That's you. We're the body. So the ministry of Jesus now is carried on through whom? Through his body. And Jesus would never expect us to do the same thing he did without the same anointing he had. It would be unfair. It would be cruel of God. It would be like saying, here, come up here to this level. I know you're never going to make it, but go ahead and try. It would be cruel of God not to give us the same power that Jesus had if he expected us to carry on his ministry. So he says, look, I'm going you know, to leave and so the Holy Spirit can come. So that's the intro for next week. That's it. No more. (laughs) Not talking about it anymore. So I want to focus on what happens after Jesus says this for this morning. And it's just a simple fact, a simple point. Is we have to not be like Nazareth. It says in Mark that Jesus could not do any miracles except lay his hands on a few sick people and see them well because of their lack of faith. It's interesting that we get all excited if a couple people get healed, right? We get two or three people healed. We're at level of Nazareth. That's all we are. That was like the low point for Jesus. For some of us, that's like, Lord, help us, Lord, let that not be our high point. Because that was the place of lack of faith where that could happen. And so I want to get to the place where there's the fullness of faith and can see what can really happen. And so, but, the, but Nazareth, one of the things that Nazareth was marked by was this. They were unwilling to see Jesus as anybody other than he, who he was. He, he's still just Joseph's son. Isn't that Joseph's son? Hey, as the carpenter, hey, I got a table that you built. <laughs> hey, thanks for building that chair. So for some people, all Jesus would ever be would be a guy who makes a chair for them. Just a carpenter. But Jesus was no longer that guy. Because there was a shift that happened. 
like in this moment, there is actually a shift happening where Jesus reads the scripture and he sits down and says, actually, right now, there's a change that has just happened. This scripture is now fulfilled. Right now, in this moment, there's a spiritual shift that is that has happened. It's changed for all eternity. But Nazareth, the people of Nazareth, most of them, it appears, were unwilling to let Jesus become anyone else other than the carpenter. And we, as the people of God, have to guard against keeping people where they were and not allowing people to have the Spirit of the Lord upon them and become something more. You know, one of the things... I go to convention and what happens is I see like, I see classmates that I went to school with years and years ago. I graduated from college somehow 21 years ago. <laughs> it's, it's shocking. <laughs> that number is, is shocking. For some of you, you're like, that's nothing. I know. There's the old joke for the week. Okay. <clears throat> But 21 years ago, I graduated. Half my life has been lived since then. I've lived half my life since I was out of college. Some of these guys, I haven't seen much of anything since then. And so when I run into them, and I haven't seen them for a long time, it's how do I see them? I see them from college. Because I don't, I don't know who they are today. You know, and then there's one guy, he gets up, he's... Well, then there's other guys who've changed their names because they're in closed countries. <laughs> this is just a funny story. It's like there's this one guy, and I, I won't tell you his real name just to, for security purposes, but he is, in, he is the regional leader in the closed area of Asia. And so he's in, a, he's in a country where it's illegal to be a Christian. And so several years ago, uh, we ran into him at convention, and he introduces himself. Hey, I'm Jason. And, and you know, to me and Ashley and... And I'm like, no, you aren't. <laughs> I mean, this dude lived next door in my quad in school. Okay, I know what his name is. Okay, I, I can know his first and last name. And I'll just for safety reasons, will not say it. But I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. It took me a second to get it. Because now, now your name is Jason. <laughs> and I told my wife, no, his name's actually this. <laughs> and so we saw him again this year. And it's like, look, I could, I could leave. I could make sure I don't say his real name. I could leave Jason as this goofy dude that lived with this other goofy dude. I mean, they were two goofy dudes that were, that were in the do- in the quad. There was four rooms in the quads. There was two guys in each room in the dorm. I mean, these. I look. He was a. He loved Jesus. He was a good guy. He was a nice guy. But now he's the regional director for Foursquare for closed, a closed region in Asia. I'm like, uh, that's not what I would have thought of you back then. But it's easy to keep people where they were. You know, when I see classmates, I have to guard against that. I see one guy who, who we all knew was going to be like this awesome pastor, amazing. You know, there's some people, you know, you got, yeah, you're going to be good. And then there's others, they were probably looking at me like, I don't know. <laughs> Flip a coin, man. You never know. 50-50 shot. Some people make it. Some people don't. Some people are called to do other things, man. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. So 
One of him, you know, one, he was up on stage leading the response after, you know, Leslie Peagle, the apostle of the Foursquare Church, speaks this powerful message and ministering the Holy Spirit. There's, there's one, of, one of my old classmates up there, you know, and I'm like, you know, I want to I see him. I don't know him now. I don't know what his life's like. I don't know how God has changed him. I don't know how God has anointed him. And if I keep him back in this box from when I knew him way back when, I don't let him grow into what happens when the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And so before we get into this, I feel like this is the foundation that the Lord wants to lay is, as a people, let's commit together to to fight against that spirit that, that comes at us. It'll happen with your kids. It'll happen with your grandkids. It'll happen with... Kids that you teach in Sunday school, you know, it'll happen with with people you knew. You're like, I've known you my whole life. And we keep people, you know, 10 years in the past. And God's actually like always looking at people in the future. When he's declaring things over your life, he's seeing you as glorified. He's seeing you reigning in heaven with him. He's seeing you, you'll see it with Christ in the heavenly. He's seeing you where you are and where you're going, not where you've been. And so I want to be able to see people and allow them because you know what? Here's the deal. Some people will surpass you that were behind you. They will surpass you in their experience. They will surpass you in their knowledge of God. They will surpass you in their giftings and callings and ministries and i don't want to be like nazareth going yeah but that you know he was just this or she was just this you know she was you know no i want to let that person become all that they're meant to be in jesus i don't want to have the spirit of nazareth where it's always like uh, you know i mean i certainly don't want to have the spirit of nazareth that wants to throw people off cliffs i mean we all have those people in our lives (laughs) But we resist the temptation because we know it's wrong, okay? So, I mean, but man, can you, I mean, there was so much, the spirit of Nazareth, here's the deal, it also hates the anointing of God. Whenever the Holy Spirit begins to move, it stands against it and says, no, that's not God, I don't want that. You have to be very careful that you don't end up in that place. I don't ever want to end up in that place where I am. Wanting to throw the Messiah off the cliff, so to speak. Where I've hardened my heart against God so much that I can't recognize what he's doing in the moment because I'm stuck in the past. Really, that's what, that's what was happening was they wanted to put Jesus in the past, but they were the ones really stuck in the past and they couldn't move forward to receive what God had for them in the present or in the future. That was a good intro. Um, I want us to close with communion. Because this is, this is another shift. We talked earlier about, you know, when Jesus was born, there was a spiritual shift. When Jesus started his ministry, there was a spiritual shift. There was another shift that happened when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Because they had been, they'd been doing it a certain way. They were celebrating the Passover meal. They were doing it just like they'd always done it as, as good Jews. And then Jesus changed it up because he's like, look, now this is, this is different. We're now in a new season.
And so I'm believing today that as we receive communion together, that God is preparing us for a fresh season with him. That when Jesus started it, he was pointing ahead. You know, Jesus did everything on earth as if he had already died and won the victory. When Jesus showed up on earth, all his ministry, all his stuff that was going on, he was ministering as if he had already died on the cross and he'd already resurrected and he'd already gone to heaven. It was like he was bringing the power of the kingdom. He was bringing the new covenant. He was speaking of, of new things all in that moment, even though he hadn't fulfilled it yet. He's like, it's, our, it's, it's as good as done in heaven. Because I've said I will do it, and I'm going to do it, and it's going to happen. And so that's what Jesus was doing on the night he was betrayed. It says when he took bread and he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Isn't it interesting Jesus' body hadn't been broken yet? It hadn't, it hadn't been broken, but Jesus was, he was operating in the realm of the kingdom of God. He's saying, look, this is as good as done. What does it say in the Bible? It says in the Bible that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, it was as good as done before even the world was created. So when Jesus broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you, he's kind of being you know, like God in that moment saying, look, I'm really not in this time zone here. You know, I'm just, I, I am here right now interacting with you, but I'm also outside of this. This is my body broken for you. And then this is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of the new covenant. I mean, isn't it amazing that Jesus did that before he had actually been broken or before he had actually shed his blood? You know, God's willing to lay things out for us and offer it to him before it even happens. Say, hey, it's as good as done. This is as good as done. That's what this reminds us. Any promise of God, anything in the Word of God, anything that the Spirit of God has breathed upon our hearts that is true, that lines up with the Word of God, it's as good as done in God's eyes. And what we are doing right here is coming into agreement with the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection. We are saying, yes, I'm a part of that. I receive that into myself. I receive that into my spiritual body. Just as I'm eating something physically, I am believing that I am receiving something spiritually. And so today, we're just going to receive. We're just going to say, God, we are ready for a new season. You may say, I am ready to get out of whatever season I'm in. And maybe this is just a, just a prophetic word to you to say right now, God's going to say there's going to be a shift happening right now. There's going to be a change. It's as good as done in God's eyes. In the kingdom of God, it's already been accomplished. Everything, you know that song we sang, it says, all sufficient sacrifice. Everything we need has already been paid for. Jesus' death and resurrection, his his blood, his broken body is enough. He doesn't have to do anything else. It's already enough to meet every need that we will ever have for all eternity. That's an incredible statement, but it's true. He is enough. Thank you, Lord. We, we do need you. Can we just say that right now? I need you, Jesus. I need you. Oh, we need you in our lives. We, we cannot do what we need to do without you, without your presence, without your life, without your, 
your goodness, without your love. And so we, we invite you right now to fill us with your life. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray for a shift in, the, in any season that needs to change right now. Lord, we just declare the old is gone and the new has come. In the name of Jesus, we want to enter into your future that you have for us, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that even when we got up this morning, that your mercies are new every morning. And so we thank you for that, Lord. There's a unique, fresh mercy that meets us each and every day. And there's a divine shift every morning when we wake up. And so right now we are choosing to come into agreement with the covenant that you have made with us. You have made this agreement with us. And we are the recipients, Lord. We, we are the ones that receive all the benefit. And, Lord, we thank you for that. And so we choose to receive the body and the blood of Jesus this cracker and this juice that represent your brokenness for our healing, God, and your blood for our forgiveness, the covenant, the new covenant where we are brought into the kingdom of God, where we are children of God, where we are able to be full of the Spirit of God, where we are able then to be your hands and feet to the world. And so we come into agreement with that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead.